Um, I believe that it's said in the uh, Friday evening uh, e email that went out that uh, we finished the series on parenting and that uh, we'll be talking about Revelation this morning. Um, and so, uh, if you're here to talk about parenting, this won't be directly about parenting, but I'm sure we can find some way that you can apply it to parenting. Um, but also, if you'd rather go down to the other class downstairs, feel free to do that. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for, the, for bringing this particular group together today. And thank you for your word. And we pray that you would be with us as we seek to understand and, and consider and build our um, knowledge and understanding of the hope that lies before us in Christ. We pray in his name. Well, um, you know, the book of Revelation is full of all kinds of images and there are definitely patterns and there's um, things that, you know, repeat. But there are also gaps. That is, there's also things about the future that it doesn't talk about. And obviously some of those things are just mysteries. Others are things that we actually um, have information of for from other places in the scriptures, but not from the book of Revelation. Um, so we shouldn't just think of uh, our knowledge of Revelation as a complete place where we get all the information that the New Testament and Old Testament give us about the end. But uh, and one of the things that I that it doesn't talk about is what you know sort of like what our bodies are going to be like on the day of resurrection. It does talk about the day of resurrection. It talks about how there's going to be a time when, when uh, both the, the believers and non-believers will be raised up in new bodies. Um, not specifically, but in, in uh, various symbolic ways. That is, it talks about it. Um, but we have more specific information from elsewhere, and in particular from um, 1 Corinthians 15. And so we're going to spend a lot of time this morning in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have a Bible, you might want to turn to that now. Um, there are also ways that are obvious. There are things that are obvious that won't be true about us in um, eternity. Uh, we'll never be all-knowing only God is all-knowing and we'll be learning for all eternity and uh, 
And that's partly just who we are. We're learners. We're different than the God who knows all. And uh, we'll, we'll be learning and coming to understand and we'll be um, and he'll be showing us and teaching us through eternity. Uh, we'll never be omnipresent. We'll never be everywhere at the same time like God is. We will have a physical existence and that physical existence uh, is limited to one place. Um, we, the reason I say this is because that's the way Jesus was. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will be, our bodies will be like his on that day. When, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he would meet with various peoples, but he didn't meet with two groups at the same time. He was one place at one time. Now, the traveling between the two places, that's a different question. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it is... It is one place in one time. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about the resurrection of Jesus in various ways. And I'm going to start in verse 35 just to give us context and try to sort of walk through the next uh, 15 verses or so explaining when there's something that needs to be explained. 1 Corinthians 15.35 How are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come? And with what kind of body do they come? What you sow... So he's answering that question. He lays that question out and then he answers it. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. So he's comparing our dying and then eventually being raised on the last day to a seed being planted. So in other words, like there's an organic connection between a seed and an oak tree that grows, or an acorn, and an oak tree that grows from that acorn. So there will be an organic connection between our bodies as we're buried and the raised body that we will be given. But there's also a big difference. That's his point. There's continuity and there's discontinuity. There's similarity and there's dissimilarity. So, so uh, then he goes on in verse 39. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. Now, you might think that he's talking about heavenly bodies like the sun and the moon, and you'd be right, because he continues. There is one glory of the sun, 
and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So in other words, there's all kinds of physical bodies in the world that God made. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, that seed, is perishable. That is our bodies. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. And if you've ever been at the, at the bedside of someone who's dying, you've seen how bodies are sown in dishonor. I mean, it is not a pretty thing. It's, uh, it's chilling. And, uh, and yet, just as it is so awful and so low, so in the resurrection it will be the opposite. It will be glorious and powerful. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now this, we go one step beyond our imagination, right? What is a spiritual body? That seems to be a contradiction in terms. We know what a spirit is, and it doesn't have a body. And we know what a body is. But a spiritual body? All we know is that that's what it says. And that's what Jesus said when he was raised. It is, uh, and he goes on to explain a little bit further. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, he adds, became a life-giving spirit. So this is um, this is talking obviously about Adam and Jesus. That Adam, you know, when God breathed into him and he became a living soul. And the last Adam, Jesus, when he was raised, he became more than just a living soul. He became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. Adam came before Jesus, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. So Adam was created from the dust of the ground. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So, obviously, like Adam, we were made from the ground in the sense that we're his progeny, and, uh, and yet we are going to be raised like Jesus and we will be made of heaven at that time somehow. 
Um, we, bore, we bore the image of Adam. We will also bear the image of Jesus, the man of heaven. So we'll have different bodies. Uh, bodies like Jesus. It, it keeps referring to Jesus' body, his resurrected body, as sort of the model of what we'll be like. And, uh, and so after the resurrection... Uh, You know, again, let me just walk through this again in case this hasn't become clear. Um, After we die, our bodies go to the grave or wherever, and our spirits rise and go to be with the Lord in heaven. And we live for a time until the Lord comes again in that state of being disembodied. That is, our souls are with the Lord, but our bodies are in the ground. And um, when he comes again, our bodies are raised up. And yes, there's all kinds of strange perplexities about, you know, what happens if you're standing right next to where an atomic bomb blows up and, you know, you don't basically have any cells left to, to gather together. Well, that, we'll leave that to God to put you back together. But somehow your body will be raised up and... and uh, you will be and reunited with your soul. And so in the new heavens and the new earth, we will have a new existence. And partly, we would assume it's, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be different than this body in many ways. Um, and it's also going to be similar. Just as they could recognize Jesus, you know, it wasn't just a completely different person. So it will be with us. But they also didn't always recognize Jesus. So it will also be somehow different. Um, I think part of it is because the bodies that we presently have don't have the circuitry to withstand the glory that we will experience and witness in heaven. It would obliterate us in our present state. We have to be upgraded so that we can stand, so we can see him face to face and not just perish. And uh, in this new state, we will be able to um, stand in his presence and enjoy intimacy with him that that wouldn't have been possible in the past. Um, you know, uh, when when Jesus, let's talk now about uh, travel. Um, there's some very strange things about Jesus when he was resurrected. First of all, he seemed to disappear and appear. He didn't, you know, he didn't walk out of rooms. He just vanishes. You see this when the disciples are together, but also you see it on the, and remember the, they took the walk, he took the walk with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he slowly reveals who he is. Now these are disciples, so they know what Jesus looks like. But somehow he could make his 
identity obscured to them. And I don't think you know he's wearing a mask or something. I think somehow he just had that ability. And then as soon as he broke the bread, you know, they invited him into the house and he broke the bread. And as soon as they broke the bread, ah, their eyes were open and they could see it was Jesus. And it says, he vanished. And he's gone. And so they say, wow, we've got to tell the other disciples that we walk with Jesus. So they run back to Jerusalem where the other disciples are. And as they're telling the story, Jesus appears in the room. It doesn't say he walked in. It doesn't say that there's a knock on the door. He just appears in the room. So again, he's appearing and disappearing. But not only that, he got to Jerusalem somehow. Now, how did he get to Jerusalem? You know, did he have ways on his uh, cell phone so he had a different route that he could take that the other that the disciples didn't take so they didn't he didn't you know they didn't pass him on the road or see him behind them or anything no it seems like he has a had an ability to just get to where he wanted to go without you know necessarily taking this same kind of process of taking steps and moving and getting where, he, uh, where like we do. So obviously there's a lot of mystery. But there's, we, you know, we see him eating on the side. In, in John 21 we see that uh, um, you know, the disciples are fishing and the resurrected, they see the resurrected Jesus on the shore and he's cooking breakfast for them and then he eats breakfast with them. So there's so that he's able to partake of food, and yet um, there are all these ways that he's different as well. And we're not given a lot of details. We're just given some little glimpses that there's sameness and there's difference. And uh, there's no reason for us to think that the difference between what we are now and what we will be is so radical that it that we will actually be more like God is in his being then. I mean, morally speaking, we'll definitely be more like God than we are now and we'll be perfect, sinless. So in that way, we'll, we'll be God, like God. But in terms of his being, like what I said, his omniscience, his omnipresence, and even his timelessness, um, there's there's no reason to think that that will be like God in those ways. He will still be God, and He will be God for all eternity, and He will be different than us for all eternity. That's just the nature of things. God can't stop being God, and God is always the one God, and nothing else can become Him. That is um, the basic principle of Christian theology that, uh, that there's a difference between God and us in terms of being. Not in terms of relationship. I mean, I'm not trying to say that there's a, there's a relational difference because that's what we're going to be talking about in the sermon today. The amazing way that God brings us, will bring us to himself and be united with him in heaven. But in terms of his being, 
He will always be different than us. Let me stop here and just see if there are uh, what what questions or comments. I'm happy to even spend the rest of the time talking about this and and uh, batting this around if if uh, we have things to say or ask. Kathy. So this is like Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You want me to tell you how to word the question and then answer it? (laughs) You and I had talked last Sunday a little bit about this. Um, But this idea, he said, when we die, our body goes to the ground, our spirit is with Jesus in a place. Um, Do we know anything about that place? Because it's not heaven. Well, it is heaven. Yeah, I mean, it's before the throne of God that when the saints in, in Revelation are crying out to God, you know, how long they're before the altar, they're dwelling at the, you know, in the temple before the altar. So we're in the presence of God. But you just said our bodies don't have circuitry to withstand the glory. We're going to be full in heaven, so we have to be remade. But that's not going to happen until... Right, but that we don't have these bodies then we have just we're just spirits yeah so there's so our spirits going to meet up with this new body at some point on the day of resurrection our bodies will be raised up and we'll be and we'll be united with our souls yes This is always the way it is with the future. You think back on what God said to Adam and Eve, you know, and the 
the curse and the um, and the promise for the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of this serpent you know did that give them all the details <laughs> no, they had, imagine the, the, the tiny little pieces they had we understand it with a lot of the details because we can see it all unfold but whenever God tells us what the future is like it's only in little glimpses and we can see from these things in the past that it's true but it's also very incomplete and even the coming of the Messiah, you know, if you know, we can see how those whose expectations were shattered were wrong, but you know, it's a whole different thing to have been in their shoes and have the information that they had and see that it really was difficult to understand what all this meant and how it all fit together. And even in that kind of context, it's just whoosh, couldn't, couldn't grasp the concept. You know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be crucified, right. buried on the third day, right? It's like he's given the steps. Yep. And then, and then he also says, and there's some things I'm not telling you because you're not ready to hear them. So it's like, <laughs> it's both. Yeah, so we're not able to hear it, but also there's, we're not ready to hear it. Yes, Rebecca. Obviously, what um, what's the consequences of what we've said about these disembodied spirits, which are you know what is called ghosts or whatever, that they we do exist in that state, um, and you know do they have any role here on the earth or with us? Um, it does seem like they have some awareness of what's going on in the earth because they're asking how long Lord because they can tell that you know the issues that have been raised by their own persecution and martyrdom and stuff have not been addressed so they can tell what's going on on earth at least to some extent but there's like a giant wall of forbiddenness for us to have any communication with them. Even when Moses and Elijah come back, they never interact with the disciples. They only interact with Jesus. The disciples see them, but they never interact with them. And, you know, in over and over again in the Old Testament law, you know, 
any attempt to uh, communicate with these spirits is forbidden. You know, it's it's uh, in the story of the the witch of Endor, which uh, you know Sam. Samuel has died and King Saul really, really needs advice. And so he goes to the witch of Endor to see if he can communicate with Saul, I mean with Samuel, the prophet Samuel who's now dead. And the witch of Endor brings Samuel back and they have a conversation. But this is a no-no. It's not that it's impossible, it's that it's forbidden. So, and there's no indication that I know of in Scripture of any way that we, that we are either supposed to communicate with them or um, have any um, interaction with them in terms of physically um, it's And so, it, it, that's, I don't know what, anything else to say about, about that. So, any, any follow-up question on that? What about, I wonder, in Revelation, doesn't it talk about souls uh, crying out from underneath the altar? Yeah, yeah, they're praying to God, yep. So they're, uh, they're the spirits. Yep. Like, without bodies. Yep. And they're crying out to the Lord. Yep. Is that the same passage as how long the Lord? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, all we do is try to um, resist the darts. We don't, um, which is exactly what you're saying. That that's we defend ourselves from their attacks, but we can't really overcome them. very strange uh, passage in the book of Jude. Anyway, can't find it real quick. Anyone else? Okay. Um, one of the things that uh, <clears throat> as I you know, try to sort of follow the indicators that we have in terms of our future existence. One of the things that I believe about what we'll be like then is that we'll have perfect memories. And I think that that will mean that our memories are restored as well. That is, we will remember everything about our lives. Every detail about our lives. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit in the sermon this morning. Um, why I think that. But, um, I mean, if you think about the way that that will change our experience. You know, we have an, a pretty amazing mechanism of forgetting built into us. Because um, there have been laws against marijuana for a long, long time in our country. They've never really studied until recently. They've never really studied marijuana in depth. uh, Scientists haven't because it was illegal to have any. It turns out now that we're able to study it, they're learning a lot about the human memory. And that's because that's one of the things that marijuana does. It has a it produces a chemical that's very similar to the chemical that we that's related to our memory. And that's one of the reasons why marijuana does a number on your memory. But um, we have a, a mechanism where we dump sort of irrelevant material. And this is for, it seems, for two reasons. One is because we have limited hard drives our brain can't remember everything. And so you can imagine how difficult life would be if you really could remember everything. And the clutter that there would be, you know, if you still remembered every single day of your fourth grade year, you know, and what you did and who you saw and everything like that, it would just be Crazy, right? Um, But the second reason it seems that we have this mechanism is so that because we would be overwhelmed by the pain of things that we experience. We have this ability to forget. And that 
that we, we couldn't survive. We don't have the circuitry. I don't know if that's the best word, but you get the point. To be able to withstand all the things that we go through if we didn't have the ability to forget. And so, um, that's a grace from God that he's given us to be able to forget and not have the vivid um, memories that like something just occurred. Just, you know, imagine the shock that we experience when something terrible happens. Well, it dissipates over time. But if everything that you ever experienced was constantly with you and never dissipated, you really couldn't survive in this form. Well, in our new form, I believe this will be different. And, I, and uh, first of all, there'll be no trauma. But even the past traumas, the traumas of our life on earth, will be able to um, carry those partly because we will have been shown the grace of God at every step, every experience. will have been shown what he was doing, why he was allowing it, how he was there, how he was protecting us, even though we might not have felt protected, but he was protecting it from being any worse than it needed to be. We'll understand it all, and therefore we'll be able to to uh, have that memory without it being traumatizing any longer. But also, that memory, what that means is that the glories, everything that happens that's wonderful. See, this is one of the bad parts of this mechanism that we have of forgetting. Is that, you know, we go to Yosemite National Park and our breath is taken away. But then a few years later, it's a distant memory. But I believe that in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth and our resurrected bodies, those, every glory we see, that memory will never dissipate. And it, it will carry it with us and we'll have the hard drive ability to remember it all. And so, you know, you're up there with billions of other people and each person that, that is there you know, as you learn their story and learn the, the way that God has worked in them and through them and all the things about them, you know, that just, you learn about yourself, you learn about your own history, but you also learn about them and the amount of glory just, you know, continues to heap up because you've seen more and learned more. And it seems to me that you will never get tired of these things. They will, it will be one glory after another, and none of them will ever dissipate in our memories. Thrill upon thrill. Um, you know, in this life, you know, the story, back to the story of the transfiguration, 
that Rebecca referred to. You know, they went up on the top of a mountain. They saw Jesus glorified. Moses and Elijah there. This is like a little glimpse of heaven. It's like they're visiting heaven. You know, here the saints are there and Jesus glorified. But, and, and what does Peter want to do? He says, let's, let's build tents. Let's stay here. Let's make this our home. You know, we found our dream house up on the top of this mountain. Let's stay here. And yes, it's understandable that that's what he wants to do. But the fact is, that's not what this life is all about. We may visit the glory of God. We may get catch experiences of it here and there. But by and large, we have to go down the mountain and live down here where there's trouble and there's pain. And what do they do? They walk down the mountain and that's where they meet what Joel just talked about. The man with a demon-possessed son that the disciples couldn't cast out. That's where we live. And, uh, and, you know, God in his mercy gives us opportunities to visit places of glory. But right now, we're called to live. But on that day in heaven, you know, with new bodies, we'll never come down from the mountain. We'll live on the top of the mountain. There'll be no mundane. There'll be no disappointments. There'll be no failures. It will be... It will be beauty and gl- glory and grace and joy without measure. And adding up over time, I believe, um, so that it will be uh, something learned all the time. More and more about God and about the way He's worked and about the intricacies of of his being and of his activity in history and in the universe I mean we're, we're talking about human history you know as if it's a universe of things to learn and it sort of is if you imagine just how much there would be to learn but you know remember also that the earth is just a speck in the universe and we have no idea what's going on anywhere else. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, intelligent beings anywhere else. Um, I'm just, you know, just leave that whole thing aside. Just the physical places are, are a, a whole nother um, area that, you know, it's hard to imagine. In my mind, it's hard to imagine, you know, the more that we can see out there through these amazing telescopes that we send out into space, it, it, the more it seems like God has hidden all kinds of incredible things out there. And that's not just going to... Um, it's not going to be inaccessible to us. Somehow, it's there for us. It's there so that we're going to see the glory of it. And uh, so... One last minute for any other uh, comments or questions before we close. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning and for the chance to talk about these things. 
we know so little, dear Lord, as our brother Joel said, and, and uh, there's so much mystery to this, but we thank you, dear Lord, for the place that you are preparing for us, for the home that we will have with Christ in the heavenly places. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be patient and long-suffering as we wade through the difficulties of this life, looking forward to that day when we will be with you in paradise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.